sisters, welcome back to She Is Becoming with the Grace Church Women's Ministry. I am your co-host, and I am here. I am your co-host, Delaney. I always forget to say my name. All right, you know it, so it's yeah. And I don't know why, but here I am. I'm Delaney, and I am here in the studio with Bev, my favorite person ever, and also my co-host. And Bev and I are super, super excited. We are. We're like, yeah, we're like pretty excited. Yeah, this is this is uh, an important session, an important podcast. So I'm glad that you are listening. Yes, we're super glad you're here with us, and we're super excited to introduce our first guest, Ashley Kinzel. You may recognize her name, or maybe even her voice, because she is the wife of our new worship pastor, Justin Kinzel, and she's our brand new sister to Grace Church. Thank you, guys. Yeah, welcome. Welcome Welcome to the show. So today we're super excited to hear um, Ashley's testimony on suffering and how the Lord has moved and worked in her life. So Ashley... Let's just start here. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How how'd you guys come to Grace Church? Yeah, so I'm Ashley. I've got four kids. We actually had four kids in four years. So oh my gosh, you know, just going oh. for the gold there. Oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> so oh, very, sister, sister. It's very loud at our house. My yeah. poor introvert husband is very fatigued by my four extroverted children. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <usually. laughs> and what are I their mean, ages, Ashley? Oh gosh. Okay, so eight, seven, five and three. Okay, you will be in our prayers for yeah. sure. You will, yeah. Lots of sanctification opportunity yes. right there. Truly. It, it really is. It really is. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit um, about who you are and how you came to faith in Christ? Yeah, so I I mean, I had a pretty, a pretty normal conversion, right? Grew up in a Christian home, strong Christian family. And uh, I began singing on stages publicly for like a, a few thousand people when I was eight. And so in many ways, I feel like I was born into Christianity. I grew up around it. Uh, but what I didn't realize was it was a very nominal Christianity. And something that I learned being on stage constantly was really how to have a, a veneer of holiness without actually being transformed by the gospel. And so I think I was uh, a good girl who loved good things. And so I equated that with having the righteousness of Christ uh, rather than really recognizing a deep need. And and my life uh, was really on this linear trajectory. Uh, of course, I had grief. I had things that I went through, tough trials, but uh, I, you know, married the guy that I first met when I went to college. I got to go to the college that I wanted to. So this was your plan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was. You had it all planned out. I had it all mapped out. and and, be perfect. Yes. And (laughs) and the Lord was, you know, he was was giving me exactly what I wanted. And uh, there were no surprises. There were no surprises. Everything happened according to the plan. We got married. We we had the babies. And uh, it really was just... It was. It, it felt like perfect. This was what I wanted for my life, and and I was getting it. Well, Ashley, what happened that really rocked your world? So our story kind of happens in in two parts. One in 2014, the other in 2018. And in 2014, we had this idyllic life, and it was interrupted when uh, my husband was publicly pushed out of his job at a, a major university. It was completely unexpected. We had just purchased a, a brand new home. Um, we had just found out we were unexpectedly pregnant with my son. And before I knew it, our our private pain was on public display. And, and it began this, uh, this downward spiral of losing our home, 
of losing our savings, of losing friends, losing influence, because we no longer had this platform that people wanted to connect with us over. And uh, then it really then it really went down even further into, okay, now I'm married to a man who is deeply, deeply depressed. Uh, my daughter is having health issues. Nora was diagnosed with celiac disease and febrile seizures in the same week during this time. Oh, and gosh. all of this happened over the course of like three months. And oh. so it just, it just felt like you kind of think when you're going through a season like that and, and you feel attacked that after the first blow, the enemy is going to let up a little bit yeah, yeah. and he just keeps going in for the kill shot. And I really just kind of, I was triaging my whole family through their pain and their suffering and kind of put on this brave face of I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I think I relate to a lot of that, especially, you know, when you're in the public eye and yes. then suffering um, it, it's, it's really hard to suffer in private when you are kind of like in a public position. Absolutely. So definitely, definitely relate to that. But how did you like rectify these truths that God loves you and cares for you in these circumstances and the suffering that he had been allowing in your life? Well, during that particular period in 2014, I, I was still, man, the Lord was just like bending my will to submit to him. And I was still fighting. And I think that there, there's an illusion with that kind of suffering that I went through. Like you can, you can make more money, you can get another job, you can make more friends, you can reasonably like create uh, new opportunities for yourself in your own flesh in that kind of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2018, our, our daughter, Nora, um, came down with a basically a a cold virus that mutated in her body and and went in a completely different direction and was in the ICU for 14 days. Just no reassurance that that she was going to be okay, that she was going to walk away from that experience. She was four. She was four. And you had other children at home? Yes, other children at home. We'd actually been back and forth to the hospital two times in a 24-hour period only to be admitted into the ICU with her in septic shock within a matter oh, of oh, hours. Yeah. Oh, Ashley. Yeah. And and is your husband unemployed at this time? So my husband was a, a, a pastor at another church during okay. this time. But okay. the ironic thing is still deeply suffering, yeah, feeling wounded. deeply wounded mm-hmm. by what happened to him. And, of course. And in some ways jaded by the local church. Sure. And so disillusion, they call that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just that, that burnout of unmet expectation. Right. And when we walked through that with Nora, there's just, for me, there was something that absolutely broke my will about watching my child literally be on, on death's door. Um, I can't. Yeah, I it, can't imagine. Yeah, it, as mothers, it's just yeah. you, can, you can you can't go there. No, and for me, it was the only it was the only thing that God could use to get my attention to say, I am in control, and 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 you can't you can't get you can't get out of this right. There was nothing I could do to to help my daughter get better, and I didn't leave the hospital in those fourteen days, and so it was just a bombardment of trauma and grief. And if, if you ever know anyone whose kid has been in the ICU, kids are actually remarkably resilient, but the roller coaster in, yes. in PICU yes. is intense. Yes. And so it was a lot of, I think we're making progress versus, I think we're going to have to open her up versus we don't know what to do next. And it was, it was so difficult. And I, I think in, in 2014, 
the first truth that I had to really rectify, like my, my gut reaction was, God, why don't you love me? Like, mm -hmm. that's what I, that's what internally I believed about God's character is that if I'm suffering, it's because you don't love me. Right. right. Or I did something wrong You're and I'm being, being punished. punished. Yes. Exactly. That's human nature, isn't it? And I think when Nora went through this, right, like she's a four-year-old child, she's innocent. And so, you know, suffering is, is sometimes because of the consequences of our actions, um, sometimes it's just because of the, the decay of a fallen world, which could definitely be said of what happened with Nora. But sometimes it's because God is sovereign and, and he deems that we're going we're gonna to walk through something hard because the entire Christian experience is about bringing glory to God. And I can't think of anything in my life that God has used more for his glory than taking me down to the depths of my point of absolute weakness and still being on the other side and saying that God is good. Because I, I couldn't do that in my own flesh. I could say, Ashley's good. Look at look at Ashley. She took care of her family. Look how strong she was during that job loss and all that hard time. But there was there's no glory to claim for yourself when you're at your point of absolute weakness. Yeah. It reminds me of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And in the Message Version, it says, Blessed are you when you are at the end of your rope. Mm -hmm. And I love that, how they phrase that, because... When you are at your rock bottom or at the end of your rope, God is still there. Yes. And sometimes it really takes that for you to be so dependent on him, yes. like how you were. He definitely has your attention. Yes. Yeah. So, Ashley, how did this affect your your marriage and your family as a whole? Yeah, it's <laughs> the ironic thing is it's been really uh, we've we've considered that situation and looked back on it a ton during this season of pandemic because the virus that Nora got was actually a sister virus to Corona uh, to COVID nineteen. Wow! And again, same same rate of infection, same rate of transmission, same same s symptoms really. And Nora should have been able to walk away from that experience like any child with a, a mild cold, but that's not what happened for her. And so. For us, I think what it's really done is kind of untethered us from living in this place of constant fear. And so, I mean, we're we're living life. We're, we're going out. Nora's about to go back to school in person. And so it's not that we throw caution to the wind. It's not that we ignore discernment and godly wisdom. But we're just keenly aware now that, you know, we did everything right and our child almost died. Yeah. So, yeah. We we've just we've got to be faithful. We've got to teach our kids to love Jesus and pray that God would save them, and and that it's out of your control, out of our control, <laughs> which is like the hardest thing for a mom. Yes. Like this is out of my control. Yes, with my kid, without a doubt. Yeah, I yeah. Wow. Um, can you share like any kind of wrong? I know you shared a little bit about the the God's love and yeah. that how you um didn't like. Under, you didn't have like the right perspective on it, yeah. but can you share like what wrong thinking you had to fight against so that you could be true to what you knew about God? Yeah, and I thought about this even coming in this morning. I was listening to the Mercy Me song, Even If, which is just one of my, my favorites, especially when I feel like I am really struggling to trust the Lord. And I think culturally, we talk a lot about the goodness of God and we misappropriate that word. And so when we ask the question, you know, is God good? It's normally in the context of God is good if, not God is good even if. And so that was really the question that I kept asking myself as a mom is, do I believe that God is good if he takes my child? Even if. Mm -hmm. and, and when we can say with all certainty, even if, even if you take my child, you are still good because your goodness isn't predicated on 
my comfort or or what happens here on this earth. Yeah, your testimony reminds me of Philippians 4, 11 to 12, where I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances, you know, in abundance or suffering. Yeah. And I feel like that was, I, I relate to that too, because that's been like a life first for me. Yeah. That even if I am suffering and I am going through the hardest time of my life, learning how to be content in the Lord. And even though it might not be like a happiness, because I know you were not happy oh. about your child, like, ob- like obviously not, but having a deeper joy and a contentment and a security and who God is, yeah. is just so key to yeah. like being able to survive suffering. And honestly. that's just a, it's just a testament to the Holy Spirit and the work that he does because <laughs> I know you guys are still getting to know me, but content (laughs) is not a word I would describe myself. You know, (laughs) ambitious, goal setting. That's how I would describe myself. So true contentment, it's it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a question, Ashley? What at your lowest point, what kept you going on? What what helped you to continue to get up in the morning and not just pull the covers over your head? And yeah, what helped at that low point? Well, Delaney, you even talked about just some of the the pressure of being public. And in some ways, that was a a barrier of protection because I I had to consider things like, what what does my story now say to people that are watching? What is how how is how I'm reacting to this situation going to teach my daughter to think about Jesus? And that weight was really, really, really heavy on me. And and so um, I think ultimately it was questioning, like, am I going to be found faithful at the end of this? And truly having a desire to be found faithful. Um, Did but you feel also, like you were being tested? I, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, this, this, tested by God. this whole thing, her doctors really described it as lightning in a bottle or a fluke. Uh, less than 2% of people experience what Nora experienced. And so the only thing that, that I could credit this experience to was God is using our platform, God is using our life, God is using our family to make his name great. And I want to be part of that. I don't want to be in the way of that. So you were really aware of God's presence and that this was not for nothing. Yes. And that was bigger than me. That that was really the the thing that I felt was like, this is so much bigger than me and Nora. It's so much bigger than the Kinsel family that, you know, God is, is using this because, right, every parent sees that kind of story just like you did and goes, ah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't walk through that. Or I, I don't know what I would do. And and I felt that very keenly. I two years prior helped my best friend bury her five year old son. And I remember oh. seeing her worship at his funeral and thinking, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And that really is the work of the Holy Spirit is that it goes so far beyond what you think because it's Christ in us. It's not our own righteousness. Right. It's not our own ability to be good or to be faithful. It's it's a testament to the work that he's doing in us to endure and sustain us through what we think would be impossible for us. And and we don't have that strength until we need it. Yes. You know, we try to anticipate that strength and think, well, I have to have that strength just if I'm going to start having kids or whatever it is. But you don't have it no. until you need it at the time. And I think that's a real important truth. Yes. Because uh, we worry about not having it, and that's really a, a, a lack of faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and Scripture tells us, like, ask for what you don't have. Right. You know? Lord, a, a big prayer that we pray now is just, Lord, like, in the face of persecution, let us be found faithful. Like, yeah. like give us the resolve to say, whatever we have to to stand for the gospel and accept the consequences Mm -hmm. of that decision. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I love that you brought up we literally can only do this like through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because on my own, there's no way that I would be worshiping if, you know, at my child's funeral. There's no way. No. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your like community of Christians at that time? Were they helpful? Did they support you? Like, yes. Uh, honestly, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because, like I said, my husband was really disillusioned and jaded from the experience that we had. And ministry, it's it's my life's call. I love the local church. Our family loves the local church. Amen. It just there's nothing better, and it can be it can be brutal work. It's family. Yes, and we we know who hurts each other yeah. more yeah. than family, right? right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> and so, but you hang in there with. Yes, yes, you endure, you You suffer long with them. You don't cancel them. (laughs) Amen, thank you. Hashtag no cancel culture. No cancel culture. (laughs) (laughs) But so I remember, oh gosh, I remember I have this like this super vivid memory. Our pastor showed up to to our bedside. I mean, we hadn't even been removed out of triage yet and admitted to our room. And they were outside the door, um, a pastor uh, from our church and, and another man and they said, can we come in and pray with you? And at first my husband said, no. Uh, he was very stoic, very reserved, didn't want anyone to, to see him like that. And, and really just kind of, he was, you know, marinating in the I'm fine as well. And Pastor Derek came in, who's just been like a, a brother to us. And I'll never forget just like how my husband broke and um, they had masks on, right? Because they were very worried about transmission. And Derek's this big guy. He's got these puppy dog eyes. And you could see that he was just bawling under his mask. And I think that was the first time that my husband really experienced um, another brother in Christ bearing burdens with him in just the truest, most sincere way. And that's what our church did for us. Uh, You know, Justin went from leading worship for 10,000 people on a regular basis. And at this point, we were leading worship for like 85 people. And I think there was a part of him that was like, God, why? Like, like I've, I've lost, I've lost influence and connections and, and identity and, and significance. And yet those 85 people, the way that they loved our family and brought meals, not just to me in the hospital, but to my kids who were with my in-laws and they took my kids to school and they came with cards and, um, set up GoFundMes and covered all of our hospital expenses. And it was just, I'd I'd never experienced anything like it. And it's not really in the DNA of Colorado, but our Colorado Christians showed up for us in, in a way that, um, I'll never forget as long as I live. And when it's a small community like that, everybody knows everybody. Yes. And I could see how that could be, uh, God puts you kind of in that little nest yes. for this point in your life. Absolutely. To bring you this kind of care that you were really going to need. So Ashley, tell me, what has changed inside of you? What would you say is the, the most important thing that God changed inside you uh, through this difficult suffering? I think, first of all, just I had a very weak theology of suffering before this. I really had this transactional view of God, like, all right, look, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to be a good girl. I'm going to sing for your people. And in exchange, like, you're just not going to mess with me, right? Yeah. And you're right. just not going to mess yeah. with my kids. Are we good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, yeah. We make these deals yeah. and it's, it's foolish. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, having to come to grips with the fact that, man, God is God. God is God and he can do what he wants. And, you know, Delaney, your dad just talked about this as we went through the book of Exodus. God is far more holy than we understand, and we are far more sinful than we understand. And so when we recognize the holiness of God and, and our sinfulness, 
there's a different kind of worship. And I, I think that's what I experienced in that moment is, man, I deserve nothing. God does not have to heal my daughter. He doesn't owe me a single thing. I have been stubborn and stiff-necked and difficult, and yet he has dealt with me kindly and patiently and with compassion. And um, the, You really sound like you were humbled. Oh, in a big way, in yes. a big way. Yes. And it really just, I think the thing that it produced for me more than anything was a joy of my salvation because I actually knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was saved after that experience. After growing up in this nominal Christianity where it was transactional, right? Like I'd be the good girl. You all don't criticize me. We have this nice, tidy relationship. (laughs) And in the gospel of Matthew, where it talks about the parable of the seed and the sower, it talks about the seed that falls on rocky ground and um, when when it first receives the word, it receives it with joy. But when hard times come, it is carried away by the worries of the world, and and the word is unfruitful. And coming out of that experience, holding on tighter to Christ, holding on tighter to my belief in God's sovereignty and goodness, it wasn't like, oh, look at me, look at all the faith and courage that I mustered up to still trust God through this. It was. I don't I don't know how I'm on the other side of this still praising the Lord and that has to be evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I actually got baptized again. Um, I was baptized very, very young, hardly remember that experience, but I got baptized with that little church and got to share that story. And so it was a, a really um, really beautiful celebration for them to see me walk through that as one of their worship leaders, right? People that they assume yeah. just kind of have it all together. Yeah. That is beautiful. I think that's so key, though, because as Christians, we sometimes think that suffering is just incompatible with Christianity. Absolutely. And it's not. And just because we suffer doesn't mean that God still isn't good. Right. And it doesn't mean that God still isn't merciful. And it's not something, suffering is not something we can just, like, wrap up in this little tidy box. And we are like, you suffer because of this. But just clinging to the truth that God is sovereign and that God is good really can, like, get you through. Absolutely. You know? So how how is your relationship with the Lord different now? And how is your relationship with your husband different now? Yeah. Justin and I, <laughs> we, we really have a completely different way that we interact with one another. Um, After that? Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. more like a, I, I think before in many ways, we were living in the same house loved each other deeply, but it was kind of like, you've got your life and I've got mine. And now we're so much more keenly in tune with each other's um, feelings. And instead of me approaching him now of, right, like I'm, I'm smart. I'm the fixer. I'm going to, I'm going to help you with this problem. There's that humility of, man, I don't know how to help you through this, but we can rehearse truth together. And, and please hear me, like I still fall right back into the, I can control things and I can fix things and I can handle this. But what he's able to do for me now, right? It's it's like we're rehearsing those truths together of, hey, remember, remember that you actually can't. Remember that really hard thing that we walked through and the beautiful lesson that you learned? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go back to that place of humility because it's very easy to get puffed right back up and think, I'm fine. I can do this. I, I, I've got control over this. Yeah. 
There's a deeper intimacy with, you know, with your husband and with the Lord when you've been through things like that. Yeah, Well, it can draw you closer, but it can also separate. Yes. And that's why this is such an important question of how it affected the marriage. Yeah. Were you able to communicate well through the trials how you were really feeling? Did you feel you could be authentic with each other? Yeah. You know, at first, and, and he and I have talked about this at length, at first, you know, I couldn't leave the hospital. I didn't leave her side for a second except to go to the bathroom. And for him, it was so intensely painful that he couldn't be there most of the time. Uh, When he was there, he was incredibly anxious and unsettled and really just felt like he he was able to carry that suffering better at home. And so we talked about coming out of that, like, man, that felt really, that felt really lonely. But instead of looking at that and saying, well, I'm the, I'm right because I stayed, um, I see parents go through this a lot when they're dealing with a sick child. You just you don't know how you're going to respond, and you don't know what each other needs. And so having the grace to say, of course he loves our child. Of course um, he's here for me, but this is how his grief is manifesting. And um, that, took, that took grace that I don't naturally have. Mm, I bet. I bet. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's important to realize how these things impact our relationships. For sure. And the Lord wants to use it for good in that relationship. So you have to be aware of, of how you're really feeling and honest with one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Looking back now, can you point to any unexpected blessings that has been produced from these trials and from your suffering? Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that I feel like we're still watching and waiting knowing that God will be faithful in is just Nora's makeup. Uh, my oldest child, Izzy, we joke all the time, like she's just not of this world. She's just, <laughs> she has a kindness and a humility and a faith Aww. in Christ that is very peculiar for an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Nora's my spicy child. You know, she's a little more. Like, like her mama? She's yeah. A, she's yeah. she's like her mama. <laughs> she's got that Bahamian spice where like she, you know, we, we, we joke in our house like, She's really smart, but she doesn't care who knows it. Mm-hmm. And even at school, she's like, I don't care if you want to be my friend. You know, <laughs> she's just very confident. And what we've seen is, you know, she's asking really thoughtful questions, but we haven't seen that fruit of like repentance and regeneration in her heart yet. And I really believe that God has continued to put these markers of his faithfulness in her life and have her hear us talking about it over and over to plant the seed for that moment of regeneration where she realizes, man, were it not for the grace of God, I wouldn't even be alive. And so that's that's been a blessing, but also just, gosh, I I grieve a lot. Like I'm I'm 33 years old, and when I look back on the the vast majority of my Christian life, I feel sadness. I feel sadness that so much of it was lived just kind of half asleep. Mm. And um, the blessing now is you know, that, that time is over and the Lord redeems and I don't have to stay in that place. Like I can, I can live with the joy of my salvation. I can live under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I can live bold, active faith moving forward that hopefully will change my family and the people around me. And this would be the next question. So how do you think you're going to handle trials in the future? Because <laughs> I, I, I'm just guessing, but you may go through more. <laughs> just just perhaps. <laughs> it's Well, after we went through everything in 2014, kind of my mentality was like, all right, all right, I see, I see you, God. We paid the piper now, so it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. So when Nora went through this, it was like, wait a second, we're not doing round two. Well, 
you asked me earlier, like, how'd you guys come to Grace? And this is really one of my favorite things to tell new members at Grace because a lot of people don't understand what was happening. So Justin and I were, we were praying about coming here and the day that he told me, I actually cried the entire day, not because I didn't want to go, but because I knew we were going to go. And I, I can't explain it. I just had this sense of like, this is it. This is it. My whole world's about to change again. And uh, we were supposed to come out here the weekend of Valentine's Day. And we'd already visited once kind of under the radar, but this was to come out and really to lead and see like, man, what are these people like? Is it a good fit? Kind of have some more of those important conversations. Well, five days before that, I got a call from Nora School, right? Nora, it's always Nora. I got a call from Nora School that that she was vomiting, and I, I went to get her at the nurse's office, and from the time we went from the nurse's office to my car, which was maybe 20, 30 steps, she had vomited four more times, and I thought, this, this is not normal. And so we ended up being in the ER in the middle of the night with another diagnosis that happens in less than 2% of people. Um, Nora had something called an intestception where her small intestine had telescoped or slipped into her large intestine, really unusual for her age. And, and the reason behind it was very unusual. And, uh, at the time I found out that she was going to be going into surgery. I was completely alone. Um, we thought she was non-surgical. My mother-in-law had gone home. My husband was home with the kids. And so here I was like 4 AM by myself hearing, Hey, the, the procedure failed. We're going to have to open her up. And I remember sitting in that waiting room by myself and just like not caring who could hear, not even really recognizing anybody that was around me and just these like deep, deep, painful cries. Um, but it wasn't like before where it was me just asking God why or, or even begging for help. It was more just a prayer of like, Lord, sustain me through it sustain me through it because you recognize like, okay, I'm going to walk through this no matter what, you know, but I, I need you to completely hold my hand. I need you to guide me. I need your Holy spirit to pray for me because I don't even have the words in this moment. And I I've shared with the staff here. I firmly believe, I firmly believe that that experience with Nora was yet again a sifting of, are you sure you want to move all the way to Minnesota where you don't know anyone and where you have no support system to watch your kids? Because Nora does seem to get sick a lot, right? Like just yeah. a lot of these kinds of threats against my comfort and safety. Sure. And then we got here and it was just, it was just absolute confirmation that, well, that's not really the point of, yeah. of the Christ uh, the Christ following life. And I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes God doesn't remove suffering and remove mm. trials and situations, but he'll change you. Absolutely. And he'll give you the strength to walk through them. And I think that's just such a testimony of like who God is. So thank you for bringing that up yeah. too. Cause that's like super real. Yeah, <laughs> That's super real. Um, Ashley, what would what piece of advice or like perspective of hope would you give to the sister that is suffering right now? Oh, there's there's so much. Gosh, um, really, the there's two things that that I want people to understand. Well, maybe three things. Well, I'm just going to rattle a bunch of things. Yeah, How about fine. that? That's good. <laughs> All Go the things it. that I need you to hear. Go for it. You know, first of all, God is compassionate in our suffering. I am always captivated by Jesus's demeanor at the tomb of Lazarus. Like he knows he is on his way to heal him right. and raise him from the dead. And yet he sits there and weeps 
he weeps with Mary and Martha. I find that fascinating that that God who knows himself to be all-powerful, all-sufficient, who will deliver, um, yet he grieves. He grieves for our broken heart. And so I have... Um, I have really had to unlearn what I believed about God, uh, which was more sterile and impersonal. Um, especially as a mom, I think the temptation is to think no one could love my child more than me. Yeah, And that is really the picture that God gave me is like, I'm holding my child and I'm grieving over my child, but he's holding me. He's holding me as this, this beautiful picture of connection and love. Um, Something else that I, I want people to understand is that, is that suffering is not an indictment on God's love for us. And I think we've said that in so many different ways in this conversation. There's repeating. Yes. It's, again, my my flesh reaction was, God, why don't you love me? And that what, is just... What did I do to deserve yes, this? Yeah. Yes. Why am I being punished? Why? Yes. Those are our questions in suffering, Ashley. Please help us. Absolutely. And, you know, we have to approach it in two different ways. First of all, with humility. Like, if we really understand our condition, if we really understand who we are apart from Christ, the real question is, God, why would you give me anything good? Yeah. You know, not why are you taking away things that are good or why are you threatening things that yeah. are good? See, yeah. we think we deserve. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we really deserve only judgment. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that is just, you know, God, God is for God. We forget that too. And we forget that if we have decided to follow him, we have now surrendered our lives to be vessels for his glory. And we don't get to question how he chooses to, to exact his glory. And that, man, that is a, that's a really tough one. A lot, and I want to be very sensitive to that because I realize like both of these stories with Nora have ended with Nora living. And that's not the story of every single person that might be listening. And I don't, I don't take that lightly for a single second. I also know that the temptation for me that Nora survived is to sit in this place of like waiting for the shoe to drop, you know? So there's, there's temptation on, on both sides. And, and that brings me to what I think is the most important thing that I want people to understand. Our culture has become one that is really comfortable with an identity of anxiety and not trusting God. Um, and I've had to deal with this as someone who actually was diagnosed with clinical PTSD after that experience, but we get really comfortable being like, well, I'm anxious or that's why I acted that way, you know? And the truth is like, God understands that we're vulnerable and weak. That's why he calls us sheep, but he also commands us not to be afraid more than anything he commands in scripture. Mm -hmm. And so God is compassionate when we're anxious, when we're scared, when we're frightened, but we still have to trust him. Romans tells us anything that is not rooted in faith is, is sin. Mm-hmm. Those are really, really strong words. And so I have to ask myself daily when it comes to my children, am I rooted in faith or am I rooted in unbelief? And um, I don't want to claim an identity of anxiety in my fear of suffering or in how I experience suffering. I want to claim an identity of a daughter of Christ who trusts that that I'm renting here. I don't, I don't own this life. And and this isn't the only thing um, that I'm living for. And so I pray just with humility and conviction that we would look at our anxious thoughts and behaviors and tendencies and, and ask God, first of all, just repent of that and ask God to forgive us, but also to help our unbelief because he will. 
You will. You will. He's faithful to do that. That fear and faith can't live in your heart at the same time. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when you're fearing, you kind of let faith fly out the window. Yes. So um, you have to choose how you want to respond. And it sounds like you are going to be choosing whatever comes in the future to respond yeah. in faith. By God's grace, yeah. By God's grace, and yeah, Amen. truly, it is his grace. And for the sister that is suffering, um, I I just want to say, like, you are not alone, and no. you have a group of women right here that would love to pray for you and love to encourage you. So, like, please reach out to us. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, DM us on Instagram. You can DM Ashley on Instagram. Like, we would love to walk alongside you like as you are suffering and just walk alongside you in the fire so please like let us know like if you don't have that community or that community of sisters like please reach out to us like we would love to be that for you and you know Ashley I just thank you so much for your vulnerability and sharing about suffering because it's not easy yeah but God is so good and so faithful and we can just hear the evidence of um you know how God has just been God through your story. And it's just such a beautiful testimony. I think our challenge for you sisters um, today is to be the kind of sufferer that Satan hates. Mm -hmm. Be the sufferer that is content in all circumstances. Be the sufferer whose hope is anchored in Christ. Be the sufferer that you can rejoice in suffering and you are just so dependent on God. And be the sufferer who has a heavenly perspective and who isn't surprised Um, by suffering, but can cling to the fact that you are good in the midst of suffering. And be the sufferer whose anthem is uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9, which is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. Be that kind of sufferer, and we can do that because we have the Holy Spirit, and he can enable us to do that. Much good. Much good can come out of our sufferings. So much good. And things we can't learn any other way. Yeah. Even when he tries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some things we have to learn again and again. Yes. Yeah. But he's good. Yeah. Bev, can you just pray for Ashley and for our I sisters? Will. Heavenly Father, thank you for this rich time of sharing heart to heart here. I, I thank you, Lord, for Ashley's testimony and, and how it could be applied to maybe a difficult marriage or a, a sick parent or they're sick themselves, Lord. So many of the principles and the truths that Ashley has discovered through this painful process can be applied to our lives in all kinds of situations. So, Lord, help us to fix our eyes upon you, upon uh, faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to go back and to relearn those truths about who you are and to trust you and to let that fear fly away and replace it with faith and confidence in who you are. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, it was so great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.